Hello, everyone, and welcome into this edition of the Sports Detective Podcast. I am your host, James Williams. And today, we are going to talk about quarterbacks. We're going to talk about the J.J. Watt situation again. We're going to talk about Carson Wentz. We're going to talk about another eagle that might be on his way out. But first, let's talk about this. I saw this yesterday. A prominent Fox News guy, Fox Sports guy, I should say. Fox Sports, Fox News. A little different. Actually, a lot different. Nick Wright, who has his show, First Things First, on in the morning, and then this week filled in for Colin Cowherd because Colin was out because he was sick. So Nick being on TV for five and a half hours a day or six hours a day, tough, really tough, especially when a lot of that is solo, especially when you get to the point of this week, and I know this too, trying to do a podcast each day, you lose time for, for material. There's not as much stories. You're trying to make something out of nothing. You're trying, you, you know, you're talking about the same stories a lot of times over and over again. But he let off the show yesterday. And I, I also really like Nick. I really like him too. I think he's funny. I think he's interesting. I think he's smart. I think he's articulate. I think he's really good at what he does. So this isn't an anti-Nick thing. But I think what he let off the show with, I completely disagree with. And obviously the way he is, he's very smart. He's very, co- I don't want to say cocky, but confident in his beliefs, in his takes, in the things that he says. He proposed a four-way trade. He proposed a four-way trade, and this is what I'm disagreeing with on, between the Texans, the Jets, the Seahawks, and the San Francisco 49ers, in which the Texans would receive Sam Darnold, three first-round picks, and a second-round pick. The Jets would receive Russell Wilson, The Seahawks would receive Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Bosa, two firsts. And then the 49ers would receive Deshaun Watson. And his thesis was, who says no? Who says no? Well, I think who says no is the teams that aren't getting the franchise quarterback. (sighs) Nick, Nick, Nick. So... First off, too, I don't think the the Aaron Rodgers Deshaun Watson thing that's been bubbling up this offseason, if there's a move, it's not happening this offseason. I think more what Russell Wilson is doing, and he's a very articulate guy. He's typically the guy that is very vanilla in his press conferences, kind of says the same thing, kind of says the thing that makes people happy, likes to, you know, positivity, always talks about being neutral. So him saying what he said on the Dan Patrick show was big it was big news because he doesn't usually say stuff like that and I think that was more or less saying to him and there is a pattern here for a few years now where it does seem he is kind of incomp or you know fed up with some of the things that the uh, Seahawks aren't doing in their organization and how they aren't protecting him as much as he'd like so that's actually not new but my perception of that was him saying, all right, figure it out, and putting public pressure on them. Because it's one thing to go into the office, to do it discreetly, to do it behind doors, and say, hey, do this, 
give me input. I want input. There is another thing to go out on national radio, national simulcast, and say that, and where it's going to be broadcast not just on that show, but 40 other shows, podcasts like mine, hundreds of podcasts are going to pick it up and are going to talk about it. And we're going to say, yeah, Russell Wilson needs to decide. And I think that was more of a, and that puts even more pressure on Seahawks because then now the public's against you. It's kind of like, all right, you better go and button up and do this now. It's public pressure, which is different than just internal pressure. But what I thought more with that with Russell Wilson was he's saying, all right, let's figure something out this offseason. If we don't address this, it this offseason and I'm not getting blocked again next year, then we're going to we're going to something big's going to happen next offseason. I would predict a uh, Russell Wilson be traded next offseason, not this offseason. Also, who says no? One, the Seahawks getting rid of Russell Wilson, but let's not let's throw even that part out. The Seahawks say yes to this trade. They're like, hey, yes, we'll get rid of our franchise quarterback and we'll let our division rival get one. That's the one deficiency on their team. Let's let them have one where they're going to have for 13 more years after this year. Seahawks say no. Texans, you could say, say yes. They get Darnold, which they could flip into something else. They would get the Jets' second pick in the draft, which they could easily take a quarterback, plus two other firsts, plus a second-round pick. But when we are doing these trades, when you are providing these fake trades, and this is a message that I have hammered home since all of this stuff came up. If you are the Seahawks GM, and and yes, the Seahawks also get Nick Bosa too, who was the top five pick a few years ago. So that's a good haul there too for them. You could say. It's so hard. The entire history of the Houston Texans franchise. They only drafted one Deshaun Watson. That's it. The entire history of the franchise that spans, what, almost 30 years? 30, 40 years? They only had one Deshaun Watson that they've ever drafted. And you're just going to get rid of him for three firsts? I would start... what, What would you do if you were in the shoes there? If you were the Seahawks and you were actually... Seriously considering, you made the decision this weekend, tonight, Monday morning, we are trading Russell Wilson. We are going to trade him. If you are the Seahawks, what would be too much? Let's take from Nick Wright's uh, perspective here. You know anything about him? He's a Chiefs guy. What would he give up? What would you give up if you were the Chiefs? What would you give up to get rid of Patrick Mahomes? What if Patrick Mahomes next year in the playoffs happens again? They, they don't protect him. He's running for his life. He has 600 yards of scrambling inside, you know, inside outside of the pocket, not even getting past the line of scrimmage next, next year in the playoffs and lose again. What's stopping Patrick Mahomes from going, hey, I want out of here. I want out of here the same... The New York Giants look pretty nice. Daniel Jones had another bad season. Doesn't look like the guy there. You know, hey, uh, Dallas looks pretty nice. I, 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 want, I want to play for Dallas. 
What what would be the amount of first round picks that you would give up for Patrick Mahomes? What what would it be? Would you give up five, three, four, ten? What would it be? If you are in the shoes of a of the Houston Texans, what would be a trade that you would say yes to? If you were the Houston Texans and you were actually if you say that you are a competent person running the Houston Texans, what is appropriate value? Maybe you do think it's three first round picks. But most of those picks are probably going to be in the 20s. I don't know how you evaluate guys this year, the whole COVID year. Guys sat out, guys didn't play. There's a lot of games where I saw where multiple players were out due to health and safety protocols. How do you judge Zach Wilson tearing up a, B, or a Boise State team? That Yeah, they were ranked, but they had a bunch of guys out due to COVID. How, how do you judge that? I don't know. Maybe he'll be good. I don't know how you judge this. How do you judge a guy that only played one game this year? How do you judge a guy that skipped the entire season? What, what did Trey Lance played this season, this entire season? I actually like Trey Lance. But what he played this entire season and he was, his stock wrote, fell down. We're like, oh, we thought he was a top 10 pick. But now we see he's probably like a third round pick. That'd be a really tough mistake if you are a team and you draft him in the top 10. And he turns out to not be good. Turns out to not be a pro bowler. Not a franchise guy. What would you do if you were in their shoes? First round picks, if we've learned anything from the Los Angeles Rams, do they really matter that much? It's better to trade a first round pick or two first round picks for a proven player than to draft. That's the better odds. It's the better odds to draft or for to trade a first round pick for a proven player than to run the table, run, you know, roll the dice on a guy that first round picks are 50-50. They're 50-50. It's a 50-50 proposition. It's a 50-50 gamble on whether they're going to be good or not. The Herschel Walker trade, again, they got three first, three seconds. It started the Cowboys dynasty. Yes, they had a few players there before that were foundational pieces, and yes, that was the worst trade of all time. But this is a franchise quarterback. This is a guy that is, if you're Russell Wilson, he's got he's still got some years left, especially if you protect him. Deshaun Watson, if you protect him, he's got 10 years left. You don't just want first round picks, you want second round picks. You want I, I would want 10 picks. You put a number on how many firsts you want, how many seconds you want, and then you say, I want. Like maybe you say three seconds, three firsts, and then four later picks, and then we can talk. And then figure out which one of the four later picks, plus of how good you think the team is that's trading the first and second picks are going to be, and then decide from there. But just three first-round picks for a franchise quarterback? What what team wouldn't sign up for that? What NFL team says no, no like, hey, give up your next three firsts. We'll get you a franchise quarterback. Do the Bears say no? Do the Colts say no? As we've heard, the Raiders are going to plan to trade two firsts or get trade Derek Carr for two firsts, then use two of their own firsts plus the two firsts they get for Derek Carr 
to then try and attempt to trade for Deshaun Watson. How many first-round picks does it take to get a franchise quarterback? If you're a team and you just say, like, look, the Dolphins have only ever found, like, what, one or two? Bob Greasy, Dan Marino? We don't even know if two is good. These things are rare. Finding a guy that is potentially going to get into the Hall of Fame, that is going to be a franchise guy, top five, top ten picks are 50-50 at the quarterback position. It looks like there's going to be four guys taken in the top ten this year. The odds are that two of them are going to suck, get drafted to the wrong situation, might be injury-prone, might have an attitude problem. Zach Smith wasn't the captain of BYU's football team. What would you do? If you were in the situation of the Texans or the Seahawks and you had a franchise guy, a guy that is going to the Hall of Fame or potentially going to be, or is on the trajectory to go to the Hall of Fame like Deshaun Watson, what, what would be your price tag? Start from there if you are doing these fake trades. Start from there. What would you give up? What is your price? What do you think it is an acceptable offer to take back? Coming up next, why Carson Wentz won't be the only Eagle this offseason flying out of town. This is a story that I've covered several times on this podcast. It's about the, it's been very well reported that the Eagles are looking to trade Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz kind of wants out of Philadelphia. And two teams that have been rumored to be interested in Wentz the most are the Colts and the Bears. I briefly mentioned this on the podcast yesterday. The Colts have reportedly offered two second round picks and a later round pick. While the Bears have offered Nick Foles, former Eagle, Tariq Cohen, speedy running back, and a first-round pick. But I saw this today, and it intrigued me. There was an article on Bleacher Report listing six NFL stars who could potentially be traded this offseason. Names on this list are the usual suspects at the quarterback position that we hear and talk about. We love to speculate. Derek Carr, Matt Ryan was on there. Russell Wilson was on there. I can't remember exactly. Deshaun Watson may have been on there. Julio Jones was even on there. But this name intrigued me. It struck my attention. Zach Ertz. As you know, if you follow the Eagles, Zach Ertz, or even just the NFL generally, we've known for several weeks now that Zach Ertz isn't going to be on the Eagles next year. But he does have one year left on his contract. He's very emotional in a post-game press conference after his last game of the Eagles with the Eagles. He was very emotional. Thank, thanked fans. Thanked the city. Loved being an Eagle. Loved winning a Super Bowl with the Eagles. But this line here intrigued me from the piece. There's a possibility, too, that the Eagles could include Ertz, Zach Ertz, as, a pack, as part of the package to trade quarterback Carson Wentz. Now that intrigued me. That caught my attention. That caught my attention. And that makes sense if you're the Eagles. That makes sense. 
And it also makes sense to package them together because Zach Ertz is a really good player. And he's a really good player in a position that's not that deep in the NFL. It's the reason Jimmy Graham keeps getting paid everywhere he's going. He's win, even though he really hasn't been. I don't know. I don't even know if he's made a Pro Bowl since he's left. Uh, excuse me, left New Orleans, and I don't even remember the last year he played in New Orleans. He's been on like three or four other teams since then. But Zach Ertz made three Pro Bowls in his time with the Eagles. All of them coming when Carson Wentz was the primary starter for the Eagles. Meaning these guys have rapport together. It's not like he was horrible without Wentz. And obviously last year was the year that he played the least amount of games in his career. But he still played 11. Wasn't a good year for him, but that Eagles team was a mess. He's been durable most of his career. He, he plays most of the time. He had five straight seasons where he was targeted over 100 times, including 2018 when he was targeted 156 times and had 116 catches. 116 catches. He's Carson Wentz's security blanket. That, that's what he was for the Eagles when Carson Wentz played. He was his most trusted receiver. He was his best consistent receiver over the longest stretch of time. So that makes sense if you're the Eagles. If you're including Ertz in that package, maybe you can turn one of those second-round picks in the Colts deal into a first. Maybe you can get a few later. Maybe in that uh, deal with the Bears, maybe you get a second out of it. Maybe you could even swindle the Bears because the Bears are desperate right now. They are desperate to find a quarterback because if the Bears don't figure it out next season, their GM and coach are likely gone, or one of them is. So there's a lot of pressure in Chicago. Things are tense there. And gambling on someone like Carson Wentz could potentially work if you think he's got it. But I thought about this, too, when I was reading this story. Just kind of popped in my head. And I'm sure I'm not the only person that's thought of this. And I've been typically mostly pro Carson Wentz with his with this stuff. I said I thought they should probably well first I said, hey, just have a meeting of the minds of the GM, coach, quarterback, have a meeting of the minds and say, all three of them in the same room together and say, how do we get back to where we were? How do we salvage this? We don't want to lose a Super Bowl winning head coach. We don't want to lose a quarterback that we've committed over a hundred million dollars to. We don't want to lose that. We were once great. Carson, you looked like you were going to win the MVP. We looked like the most unstoppable team in the league for a season. And we were. How do we get back to that? What do we do in the draft? What what do we need to get another guard? Do we need to get a big physical possession receiver? Do we need to buffer the defense a little bit more? Doug, what do you think? What, where are the holes on this roster? This is what the numbers say. This is what the analytics say. But nope, that didn't happen. They fired Doug Peterson. Now they're looking to trade Carson Wentz. And when you fire when you fire Doug Peterson, you think, oh, they're just that was a they clearly just picked Carson Wentz, but clearly not. Clearly not. So I've been pretty pro Carson Wentz on this. 
I I said after they replaced Jalen Hurts to play Nate Sudfeld in the last game of the season, which looked like a tank job. I said fire Doug Peterson. I think he's lost the locker room. I picked Carson Wentz over Doug Peterson. But I was thinking about this. It's a risk to trade for Carson Wentz. It's a big risk. Because he has a lot of years left on his contract. He's still owed a lot of money. Even if you trade for him this offseason and you play him next year, what happens What happens if, let, let's say this happens, and the Colts do give up a first-round pick, and then oh, Carson Wentz is hurt week two. He's been injury-prone most of his career. He's been beat up most of his career. He's not getting any younger. What happens if he gets hurt and you don't have a backup, a, a legit backup? And then you guys, all of a sudden, you're in a Texan situation where all of a sudden the Eagles are going to have a top five pick next year. That would be tough. That would be hard. And then you're like, all right, screw this. We'll just get out of it. We'll cut him. Because I don't think you're trading him if he's horrible next year or is it hurt again. I don't think you're finding a trade partner. So you're probably cutting him, and then you're taking on about $29 million in dead cap. Not good. So it is a risk to trade for Carson Wentz. Yes, you can include Ertz into the deal, which I think would help, especially if you're a team like the Bears or the Colts. With the Colts, I looked them up. They didn't seem to really have a consistent tight end. The Bears did tra- or draft Cole Komet, who's he's, he's fine. He's all right. So getting Ertz in that system with Wentz, a guy he's got a little bit of rapport with, a guy who Ertz, who has, hey, if you have a legit offense and they're rolling and uh, Zach Ertz is healthy the entire year, it's pretty likely he's probably going to be one of the top 10 tight ends in football, and he might make another Pro Bowl. So that's a good investment. It's not like you're – he's got one year left on his contract too, so it's not like you have huge financial burden if you're taking on Zach Ertz too. But Carson Wentz has a what it looks what it appears to be now a bad contract and he's injury prone. And if I am the Eagles, sure you can try and wait. And maybe you wait and somebody comes in and it's just really desperate and they make a big offer. Or you take the the best offer you can find in the next week or two. You take that and run because it's a risk to take on a guy that's under contract for five more seasons that's been injury prone and may have an attitude problem. Ugh. Should I address this now or should I wait till after the break? I'll address it now. So I talked a little bit yesterday. I had a segment about uh, J.J. Watt. As we know, he was released from the Texans, mutually decided to part ways. J.J. Watt went to them and said, hey, I want to leave. We're clearly in a rebuild here. I want out. I want my chance to go and compete. And the Texans said, yeah, we'll, we'll release you. We don't want to pay you $17 million next year for you to either be hurt or 
not be a elite defensive lineman, especially when we are known for having bad contracts. And yes, we want to honor, we have a pretty bad reputation with players right now where players probably don't want to come and play here. So why don't we do the smart thing there and be player friendly and respect the wishes of the greatest player in the franchise's history? And instead of, you know, being what probably some teams would do, you know what some teams would do? They just wouldn't tell him that they would release him. They'd probably just be quiet, and then they'd trade him to a team that he might not want to play for, trade him to Denver for a third-round pick. Or, hey, hey, JJ, how about you go to Buffalo? Or to the Jets? But now that he's released, he could go to Miami or Pittsburgh with his brother or to the Rams or to the Cowboys maybe or the Packers. And my pretty much my reaction yesterday, I was reacting to the people that were overreacting, acting like the Texans were a horribly run organization for doing that. And now I'm going to react to some of the people. And there's been more than one. And I briefly mentioned this yesterday where they were saying, ah, oh, the Texans, how dare they requ- how dare they listen to J.J. Watt and give him what he wants? And then when Deshaun Watson wants what he wants, they don't give it to him. What what kind of organization are they running? What does that really say about the Houston Texans? Uh, what? What's your point here? What's your point here? As I even mentioned yesterday, I I read an article several weeks ago before before I don't it might have been before Deshaun Watson officially requested a trade. That. The Texans were probably going to get rid of J.J. Watt because they could release him for zero dead cap money. And to keep him, they'd have to pay him $17 million. So I I just don't understand the argument. I kind of understand it, but it's not a valid argument. What, what, What is the point that you're making that we should... Like, like the Texans couldn't... Are you saying they're a bad organization for letting him go? Or are you saying that they are, like, again, I'm not on the side here where I think Deshaun Watson should just shut up, go and play football. He's too young to be requesting a trade. I printed off a 12-page article today, and I've been reading it from Sports Illustrated. It was written in December. You can go ahead and look it up if you want about Jack Easterby and how he turned in 10 years in the NFL was a team chaplain a character coach, and all of a sudden, over a 10-year stretch, became a guy running an organization and how he undermined the head coach and how he undermined a GM and how he created an atmosphere of distrust for the Houston Texans. No player in the NFL should want to play there. If you're somebody that's drafted by the Houston Texans this year, it's going to be, oh, God, no. Why? 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 They're so poorly run. They're the worst organization in football. They're poorly run. No player should want to play there. I, I want Deshaun Watson to get traded. I hope, I, I've been the one that's saying Texans should hold out and try and get the most that they can. I hope that the team that trades for Deshaun Watson gets him for three first-round picks or two first-round picks. I hope it's that easy. But my point of it is, 
He's got five years left on his contract. They're going to have to take on not as much dead cap money as a lot of players are. I don't even think, I think the Rams probably took on more for getting rid of Jared Goff. But he's got five years left on his contract. J.J. Watt had one. More than likely, if they kept J.J. Watt, they would have paid him a bunch of money, and then he would have left next offseason. Deshaun Watson's got five years left on his deal. They can't get three first-round picks for J.J. Watt. I don't think they could have gotten one. So, so what's your argument here? Are you saying that we should honor every single player that's unhappy? Because then we're going to turn this into the NBA, and that's not fun. I don't want Patrick Mahomes in two years to go, oh, hey, I want to go to the Cowboys now. That's not good for football. That's not good for the Kansas City Chiefs. It's not good for if we want these. And I'm not saying, again, Deshaun Watson's not wrong for wanting out. I agree with him on wanting out. If I was in that situation, I would probably do the same thing. I'd probably also request for a trade. I think most people would. But we, your argument can't be, let's listen to these players all the time. They are always right. It, it can't be the, hey, the customer's always right. The player's always right. That can't be your argument. And I'm not saying that the organization's always right. But we can't let just players just have, the, we can't have this thing where we're saying contracts don't mean anything. That can't be our philosophy in sports. That can't be... That, that can't be how we run things. That can't be our argument for things. Again, Deshaun Watson should want out. Anyone would want out of that situation. It's, it's a circus there. They don't know what they're doing. It, it's just J.J. Watt getting released and them honoring that and Deshaun Watson requesting a trade and them not honoring that right away. And we don't know. Deshaun Watson might get traded in March. He might get traded in the next two weeks. It just, what's your argument here? Because I don't think we should listen to every player request. What James Harden, like, look, what, look what happened with the Houston Rockets in basketball. They listened to James Harden on everything, and he ran that franchise into the ground. He forced the Russell Westbrook trade which we are going to be talking about for decades on from here because that was a horrible trade. That was a horrible trade. Oklahoma City is going to be getting top 10 picks from Houston for that trade. And Oklahoma City won the trade, even if it was just Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook straight up. But they gave him four first-round pick swaps. You you can't that can't be your argument is that the players are always right and we should grant all of these requests for all of these players that always want out regardless of contracts and I understand with the NFL and even the NBA to a lesser degree where they they pretty much if you're drafted to a team you're pretty much controlled there if you're a first round pick they give you four years plus a player option and then they can tag you three consecutive times so you're pretty much tied to one team for eight years. I understand that, and I understand that it sucks, but we can't, it's just not the best argument. The J.J. Watt situation and the Deshaun Watson situation are completely different. J.J. Watt's not 25, 
and off of a defensive player, off of two defensive player of the years and three all pros. He's not. He's coming off the Texans. I, I laid it out yesterday. Over the last five seasons, this huge contract that he's on, six years, $100 million. Two of those years, he ended on the IR. He's missed 40% of his games over the last five seasons. It's been a bad contract for Houston. It has. And J.J. Watt, was he's a Hall of Famer. He made one All-Pro in the, I believe the last one was 2018. He's a Hall of Famer on the field and off the field. The things that he did in Houston as a philanthropist are incredible. His impact off the field might be greater than it was on the field. And he's a Hall of Famer on the field. But these situations are completely different. And if we actually want to take some of these people seriously when the next one comes around, we have to provide context. We have to be accurate with this stuff. Because if you actually want to go places, if you actually want to make progress, making inaccurate arguments or illogical arguments isn't the way to get there. Okay, let's end this podcast, be our last little segment here, on a positive note. Maybe not positive, neutral. Neutral. Yeah, neutral. We are going to be officially, this podcast is officially a Baylor Bears basketball podcast for at least the regular season. DraftKings, free plug here. Free plug for the site that has all the plugs if you watch sports, which if you listen to this podcast, I assume you do. Because who would just want to hear me talk without having any knowledge of what I'm talking about? That'd be kind of weird. But if you do, awesome. You must think I'm cool. Because I am cool. Coolest podcast around. Anyway, just doing some live bets during the Super Bowl stocking up on the odds that Byron Pringle was going to score a touchdown, was going to score the next touchdown, and I would have been a rich man. I would have been able to buy, you know, maybe 10 or 12 pizzas. That That's how we'll categorize my wins. I probably would have been able to buy, like, maybe a solid 11 pizzas if Byron Pringle would have scored a touchdown. Or the next touchdown, which would have been the only Chiefs touchdown. So I was stocking up on bets on that, which they probably had an overload of bets to that site. Probably all of the sites did. It's probably really crazy, especially the Super Bowl, which is probably the most bet uh, betted event of the year consistently. But DraftKings, the nice people at DraftKings, said, we are sorry that we had technical issues processing your bets that all lost for the Super Bowl. We're sorry about that. So we will give you a free $20 bet. $20. A free bet, $20. I can use it on anything. Use it on anything. But getting back to Baylor on this whole thing, I used that bet to bet them that Baylor was going to finish the season undefeated. Because I was looking at it. I was looking. I'm like, wait. Because... The idea of betting, if you're just betting on the favorites all the time, I don't know how you have fun because that's you, you make your money betting. You bet on the underdogs 
unless you're just going with huge, like, for sure, no-brainer, like, definitely going to happen, minus odds bets, you know, if you're betting favorites. So I bet Baylor Bears to finish the season undefeated. That was an odd, that was uh, something you could bet on at DraftKings, and you read it first, and you're like, wait a minute, run the table undefeated, or just regular season it's just regular season and you don't really know how all this is going to shake out they have three regular season games left i checked they don't play again until i'm recording this saturday the 13th they don't play again until saturday the 20th they play oklahoma state iowa state and kansas and kansas isn't the kansas that you usually see them being you know the dominant perennially top 10 team so going to be interesting. They've also had seven games postponed this season. I don't know if they're going to make any of those up, but it's it was plus 175 when I just checked it here a minute ago for the uh, before I started recording this. So that's who I'm rooting for. I would suggest, I mean, don't put your life savings on it, but if you want to make a little bit of cash, I think Baylor is one of the, they're going to be, they're going to probably make a Final Four run or an early eight run, and they might even dang well be in the championship game and win it. They're one of the best teams in college basketball, which I don't talk about college basketball that much here, but I still pay attention. I follow it a little bit. Not as much as other sports, but I still follow it. I like watching it. Really fun. A lot of fun. College basketball is so much fun. And Gonzaga is also another undefeated team. If you could find odds on, the, on both of those teams finishing the regular season undefeated, I would take that. I would take that to the bank and run, which is what I did. But, I mean, I also used a free bet. Don't don't bet your life savings on it. I could see something weird happening, but I think it's easy money. I think it's a good bet, which hopefully I'm not jinxing them. Knock on wood. Okay, enough of that. So we are Baylor Bears podcast now. Baylor Bears basketball, let me be clear with that. Do not support the football team. Not a Baylor Bears football supporter. But anyway, that's going to do it for the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. It means a lot. As always, go rate, review, subscribe, or don't. I don't care. Go tell your friends. Go tell your family. Go follow on Twitter and Instagram, Detective. DMs are open, and as always, I will see you next time.